Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. Is America is America. I've been trying to talk like British all morning. I'm talking like a hick. America is America. Is America. Are we in a good shape this morning? Of course, the answer is no. Well, the reason we're not in a good shape, Peter says, judgment begins at the house of God. And so the reason America's not in a good shape is the church is not in a healthy state. And that's, that's the whole predicament that we're, we're in. But by looking at churches, you would say, well, wait a minute, Charles, there's mega churches, there's big churches, churches growing. But again, buildings, bodies, and bucks, that's not how you gauge the success of a church. This is not part of a sermon, I'm just going to it. Church at Sardis, the church in Revelation, the Bible says about the church of Sardis that they had a reputation of being alive. That church is moving. And God looked at them and said, you know, the people in Asheville, they're saying this church is, is really hot and really popping. But God says, you're dead. Well, everybody else says we're popping. Well, God says you're dead. Everybody else says we're full. Well, God says you're dead. Well, there's another church in Laodicea. They have plenty of buildings. They have plenty of money. They have plenty of people. They had all, they had all the three Bs. And God said, really strong language here. God says, when I look at this church, I want to throw up. You got, all, you got all the three Bs. You got the buildings, you got the bodies, you got the bucks. You're not changing the world. Then there's the church, you know, at Philadelphia. They were doing great. Yeah. What I've learned with COVID-19, it would be, to me, a bad mistake for us to go through COVID-19 and go back to church the way it was. Have you thought about it? I could really, I'm not exaggerating. I haven't talked to y'all in a long time. I could talk to y'all for 10 hours. I really could. Because to me, and I'm over it, this church, church the way it was, wasn't working. Any church. I've always wanted to be part of a church where you could walk into church and they could say this. I've talked about this for a lot of years and I've never figured it out. Here's our plan. Here, here, here you go. There it is. Here's our plan on how to take you from a child to full maturity. And here's how we do it. Most churches cannot do that. Most churches just say this: come in, sit in the pew, worship, get involved in something, go home, come back, 
sit in the pew, go home. You do that year after year after year after year. And yet for most of us, we still got the same hangups in our life. You know what I mean? I still got a bad temper. I had my temper, this is bad. You can lose your temper at Sam's. The Sam's Club. Thank you. And I was in Sam's Club Friday. This is a recent sin. How's this sound? And so I'm there in Sam's Club, and, you know, my memory is not that good. It's really not. And I take, I take my wallet, and I put my, my wallet on the thing, and I think nothing about it. Then I put my phone on there also. Well, my card doesn't work. Something's wrong, and so the lady comes. I walk out. And I forget my phone. I'm all the way to the car, right? And I'm thinking, whoa, I forgot my phone. I walk back in. They're crowded. And I said, by chance, did anybody get my phone? This lady said, we got it right here. And I said, oh, thank you very much. There was a woman there that did not have a good attitude. She's just a customer. And she looked at me and she says, I'm in line. I said, ma'am, I'm out of line, but I'm just getting my phone. She says, I'm in line. I said, I know that, and I'm out of line, and I'm getting my phone. And she said, I don't think you get this. I'm in line. I said, lady, I don't care if you're in line. I said, your attitude stinks. And I mean, this, and the whole place hears me. I said, your attitude stinks. I hate to be your husband. And have a good day. I walk out, and the Lord said, You do know you handled that wrong. I'm, this, this, this is so bad, right? I got my phone, right? So I'm unloading the buggy, and I see that couple come out, and I'm thinking, I ought to go apologize to them. And I thought, you'll probably get the one understand. Get this, y'all. I pushed the buggy away. I drove all the way to Asheboro and left my phone in the buggy. <laughs> Can you believe that? Got back on the phone. And this is the dummy that got in line. And I left my phone, had to get back in my car, ride all the way back to Greensboro, get my phone. Thank God there's nobody in line. <laughs> and I got it. So what I'm saying is this. I need to grow up too. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Let me tell you this story that I, I've, I came across. If, if you like judo, this is your kind of story. All right. It's about a 10-year-old judo student who was in a car wreck, a bad car wreck, and uh, he messed up his left arm. He messed it up so bad that the doctor had to amputate his left arm. The bad part about it is that he's a judo student, and he loves taking judo. Well, he healed, and he went to his judo teacher, and he said, listen, he said, I love judo so much, and can I still take judo? And the teacher said, of course you can't. He said, but you can only learn. I'm going to teach you one move. 
And, that, and that's all I'm going to teach you. And so the guy has no left arm. And so day after day, week after week, month, month after month, he worked on this same move every day. The young kid would say, listen, I know i got one arm, but I could do more than one move probably. He says, no, do this one move and get it down pat. We got in a tournament, and they thought, he won't win. First round, he wins. Second round, he won. Third round, semifinals, he run. Now he's in the finals. He's going against the main judo guy. Like This guy is like bad to the bone, a lean, mean, chopping machine. And uh, the guy that's the master lost focus. In the minute he lost focus, that one guy with the one arm did the one move on him and beat him. People couldn't believe it. They went to the judo teacher afterwards and they said, how did you teach this young boy to be a judo champion? And the teacher said, well, he said, uh, we got this one move. And we work on this one move day after day, day after day, day after day. And he said, the champion lost focus. And this guy put this move on him. And he said, the second point, the only defense against this move is you got to grab your opponent's left arm. <laughs> well, he couldn't. But the one move was that. I'll tell you that to tell you this. I'm going to give you a test. All righty? So I'm going to say a brand or a trademark. You ready? And what I want you to do, I want you to answer in only one word. You ready? I feel like I'm on a game show. Okay, I wish I could just said, put it up there. Okay, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you the trademark. You tell me what comes to your mind, one word. You ready? Starbucks. Oh, Trash. <laughs> Rolex. Verizon. Yeah. Papa John's. Church. All kinds of answers. You would think with something as important as the church, there would only be one answer. Starbucks, coffee. Verizon, phone. Rolex, watch. Church, dump, 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 dump. We don't know. That's how messed up the church is. We don't even know our main mission. What's your main mission, Starbucks coffee? What's your main mission, uh, Papa John's? Well, pizza. What's your main mission, church? Uh, God, worship, central, uh, souls, uh, pick it, just pick it. You would think that something as important as the church would know their main mission. Do I have your attention? It's been a long time. My name is Charles. I'm from Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm trying to get to be a better person. 
Just don't catch me in line. Uh, I like talking to y'all, I really do. So what I want to do with this this week and next week, we're going to dialogue. All right, sorry. What's our main mission? Let's look at it, Matthew 28. I know, Alex, I didn't give you this. Dinner. That's okay, you don't need it. I'm fine, because I got it in, in your notes. Matthew 28, verse 16. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had designated when they saw him, they worshipped him, but were some doubtful. That's really amazing. Another sermon. Jesus came up to them and spoke. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples. All right, whoa. There's our main mission. Just to make disciples. He didn't say go win souls. He didn't say go worship. He said what? Make disciples. Now that's kind of a buzzword. Go uh, make disciples, teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Stop. Just another thought. You know, after the resurrection of Jesus, he had 40 days on earth before he ascended to heaven. What do you think he did those 40 days? Had a fish dinner. Took out tonight, boys. It's on me. <laughs> 40 days. What do you think you did those 40 days? Prepare his disciples. Very good answer. That's, one, that's part of it. Um... Discipleship is not a class, it's not a program, it's not hard. Discipleship is not a seminar, it's not a 12-week Bible study, it's not a small group. Uh, discipleship is not a degree you earn, it's not a 40-day home group. Discipleship is not for super-Christians. Uh, discipleship is not even optional. In fact, he says, make disciples. And so let's look at this, and we're going to learn about this. Are y'all with me this morning? Okay, it is 1042. I got a long time to go, short time to get there. Hello. Does that sound like British to y'all? Hello. What do you think, Christine? Does it? <laughs> I'm trying my best. Hello. That's, that's pretty good. All right, let me get focused, y'all, because I'm knowing me, I would go all day. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 16. As he was going by along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. All righty. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishermen of men. Verse 18, immediately. Now, that's next week. Isn't it amazing? Jesus sees these guys, and he says, Come follow me. And immediately they left the Zebedee fishing company to follow Jesus. Isn't that amazing? I'm in. You just leaving? Yeah, read on. Going a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending their nets. Immediately, there it is again, immediately. Immediately. He called them. They left their father Zebedee, the Zebedee fishing company, in the boat, 
with the hired servants and they went away to follow him. So here these guys are, first of all, these guys right here, the angel, the disciples, it's kind of amazing. The oldest, the oldest disciple was Peter. He's probably 18, 19, at the most 20. Most of the disciples are anywhere from 13 to 17 years old. That's a thought. How do you know that? I'll show you that next week. The oldest one's Peter. How do you know? He's married. We find that story out later on. His mother-in-law gets sick. So the disciples are anywhere from 13 at the very youngest to maybe 18 years old. That's shocking. That God would call these young guys to be disciples and they'd change the world. And when you read this, and if you want to read a guy, his name was Ray Vanderland. He knows all about this stuff and the Jewish customs and everything. That's the guy you want to read about because he gives the Jewish customs. And you'll see it. These are just young guys, so they leave. Now, what I want you to see, I've got three points, of course, like any good preacher. Point number one, a disciple is focused on others. Notice Jesus did not say, follow me and I will make you happy. Follow me and I'll make you rich. Follow me and I will make you prosperous. He did say, follow me and I'll make you fisher of men. Or in other words, follow me and I'll make you focus on others. That's different. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me and I'll make you focus on others. Most of the time, when people go to church, they do not focus on others, they focus on me. Right? In fact, Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you must do what first? He says, you must deny who? Yourself. You want to follow me? First thing, you got to deny yourself, take the cross, and follow me. So if you're going to follow me, you're, not, you're no longer in the equation. That's the most important person. That's about others. You got to be a servant. So Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You're not just not be fish. You're going after men. And so now your life is about others. Your life is about helping others. I have it in your notes. There's a, it's a lot of one another's in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. I got them listed. I, I think I, I didn't count them. Y'all can count them. But they're on they're the Bible. I'm just going to read them to you. All right, let's look at this. Love one another 16 times in the New Testament. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Live in harmony. Build up. Be like-minded. Accept. Admonish. Greet. Care for. Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Forgive one another. Be patient with one another. Speak the truth to one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's talking about when you see somebody, build them up with words of power that builds them up. Uh, submit to one another. Consider others before yourselves. There we are again. Look to the interests of one another. Bear with one another, teach one another, comfort one another, encourage one another, exhort one another, stir one another up, or in other words, stimulate one another to do good. Be nice to one another, hospitable. 
employ the gifts to one another, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, pray for one another, confess your faults, your sins to one another. Let's call one another's. Question. Test time. I love tests. You ready? How many of these have we done this morning? Look at them. How many? Okay. That is the question. How many of these one another's have we done this morning? I think we've done one that I saw. We have greeted one another. Well, some of us have. Some of us just came to church and walked by people. Now, this is how we do church, really. Y'all look at me. Turn around. That's how we do church. Who's that? Who's this? Who's that? Who's that? If you had a house and somebody walked in your house and you didn't know them, would you just sit there on your sofa and say, honey, give me a Coke. I think you would say, who are you? <laughs> right? That's just greeting one another. And yet, how many, this is not my sermon, but how many times do we have, this is the house of God, his house. We're his people. People come in his house. Life is about people, right? People. And people come in our house and we don't even talk to them. What's up with that? But I don't know them. Well, it's not about you. Right? Follow me and I'll make you what? Fishers of men. It's about others. Am I right on this or wrong? Right. We asked Dr. Carl Menninger. He's the, uh, quote, dean of mental illness. Carl Menninger. Am, am I correct on that, Pew? Yeah. yeah. I mean, not being hateful, because I'm, I'm labeled bipolar 2. 2. two. I love it. They tell you that if you're really, really, really depressed, Carl Menninger said this. They said, Dr. Menninger, if you find someone really, really depressed, what kind of medicine would you give them? His response is this. I wouldn't give them any medicine. So what would you do? I would tell them to get out of their comfort zone and go find someone they don't know and talk to them and find somebody who needs help and pour your life into that person and you'll feel better. But see, 
We want to isolate ourselves. And can I tell you what's happened during COVID-19? You've been in isolation and the devil has beat the hell out of you. Right? I've had since last year, it's up, 62 suicide phone calls. Hey, I want to commit suicide. Sad to say three of them did. That's just me. That's not counting the fights with families. Well, why so much going on, Charles? You're in isolation. Greed one another. Is this making sense? Let me use my stupid illustration that my family cringes at when I do it because they hear it all the time. And I know it's already getting late and it's already eight minutes to 11. Summertime's coming. You know what that means? Means tomatoes. Amen, Chelsea. Tomato sandwich. If you love a tomato sandwich, say thank you, Jesus. Yes. Nothing like them. Get a tomato sandwich. I don't want wheat bread. I don't want rye bread. I want that bread that's bad for you. I want the white bread. It's got all that stuff in it. Now what I do, I will put mine in the microwave, the bread, for about five seconds. Just like bread hot. Then I'll get me two pieces of bologna. Put it in the, in, on, on the frying pan and I'll burn that bologna just a little black right there. I will then get a slice of cheese. I will lay the bologna, put the, put the cheese on that bologna, and then another piece of bologna on that cheese, and you know It begins to melt. Is it good for you? No! Then I get some mayonnaise. Not just any mayonnaise. What kind of mayonnaise? Y'all know. Duke's mayonnaise. As I'm preparing this, my mouth is beginning to foam like a rabbit dog. So I got my bologna, I got my cheese, I got my white bread, I got my mayonnaise, but I don't have my tomato. I get my tomato, and say I have a tomato, and it's a garden, and when you cut that baby, man, it just shoots the stuff does. You say, this is going to be so good. And I'm so excited about cutting this tomato that I'm not paying attention, and I cut my finger. Blood shoots to the ceiling. All of a sudden, my mind says, red alert, red alert, red alert. And blood is going everywhere. This whole body goes in action for this, this, this part of the body. This part right here. This hand grabs this part of the body. The mind says, take your two legs and begin to walk. I begin to walk. My torso's going with me, my whole body. My eyes are looking down. My mind is thinking about this finger. This whole body is consumed with this one part of the finger. We go to the medicine cabinet. And the body says, and the mind says, get some alcohol. Not to drink, but to pour. I pour the alcohol on the finger. The mind is blowing. The mind says, take your lips and blow. I begin to blow the, the, the finger. It's getting better. The whole point is this. This whole body is concerned over this one part of the body. That's the body. That's the one another's. Right? 
If you don't look at Corinthians, he says, we're the body of Christ. We should care for one another. The point is this. I got to move on. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. Point number two is a disciple is fishing, not catching. Whoa. Well, when I say he's not fishing, I will say this. A disciple is living, not just catching. Jesus used whatever was at hand as a tool to teach. If it was a plumber, he would have said, get your plumbing tools, let's go plumb. But right here is fishing. What I'm trying to say right here is this. For us, the classroom is life. And we have class every day. The sad part about it, most of us don't know class is going on. We just went through one incredible class with COVID-19. And I just want to ask you something. Psalm 90 says, Lord, teach me to number my days. In other words, life is short, Charles. So you better pay attention. So as I number my days, give me your heart of wisdom, which means this. As you're living life, what are you learning? So let's take about two minutes and let's talk. In the past 12 months, what have you learned? Nothing. If you have learned nothing, do you see the opportunity you've wasted? Most people have learned nothing, so they just went through one of the most traumatic times in their lives. Hey, my brother, hey, my sister, what did you learn about this time? I don't want to do it again. Is that all you got? You mean you went through a one-time-in-a-hundred-year event, and you didn't learn nothing? What a waste. I'll ask you again. What did you learn? Very good, Chelsea. Anybody else? God will take you through it. Great, great wisdom. Anybody else? They tell us, psychologists tell us, that each of us go through two traumas a year. Now, what's a trauma to me may not be a trauma to you, right? Because it's different for us. But we go through two traumas a year. Um, If we're discipling people and we're going to be, wouldn't it be great? Come here, Kendall. Come here, Pete. Kendall, you should sit right there. Kendall, you sit right right there. Charles, how are we going to pick our discipleship groups? You'll love this statement. It's so revolutionary. God's going to tell you. 
and the group can only be around three people. We don't want a ping pong match. That's no good. Three to five people. Okay, so let's say that the Lord led me to pick these two guys. So we meet every week. You say, I don't have time. Well, what else don't you have time for? As I, as I last checked, we're called to make disciples. Is it optional? Now, here's what I know also. This is so negative. Most of us won't do it. And that's okay. If just three of us do it, we'll be just fine. Now, those who don't do it, you'll still come to church. And you'll still be saying, I'm still messed up because you haven't done the body life. And so let's say for 48 weeks, we get together for an hour and a half every week. And I'll say to Pete, this is off the cuff, I haven't talked to Pete since the last time I, since the last time I was here. We ask people questions. It's not about going through a book. It's about going through life. Pete, how's your life been this past week? Not great? All right. Yeah. Now what will happen, the more Pete and I talk and the more we meet, the more open we get. Now, he's not going to get open here because, number one, Pete is a melancholic so he's in the most uncomfortable place in the world I put him in. Right, Pete? Yeah. And you're thinking, I'll shoot you in the head next time, Charles. We'll do this again. But you know what? It's okay, Pete. Because you know why? To my old melancholic friend, he needs to be stretched. Don't you? Yeah. Yeah, he needs to be stretched. Because you know why? This melancholic, do you know what he faces more than anything else in life than what we don't face? Depression, that's right. Right here. Why do melancholics face depression more? Because they're perfectionists. Are you a perfectionist? You just want everything done just right? Yeah. Yeah. And when it's not done just right, it really ticks you off, don't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you beat yourself up. And see, so he needs this part of the body who is not a perfectionist. If you don't believe I'm not a perfectionist, look at my notes. And I will say, Pete, you're too hard on yourself. God's not that hard on you. But then he'll come to me and, and he'll say, Charles, there's things in your life that you need to do better, that I can learn from him. Isn't that amazing? And then we got Kendall. Tell me about yourself, Kendall. How's the past year been? A little tough. A little tough. Well, we could talk more. Y'all sit down. I think I've got two melancholics right there. I really do. <laughs> but are y'all with me? Is this uncomfortable? Luke, you're just out there. 
Let me show you one more verse, and I'm done in three minutes. I really am. I got, I got a lot of skip. A disciple is constantly fixing their nets. You know that verse here in Mark where it says they were mending their nets, right? I'll tell you what. We don't have to have a closing song, so we're cool. Okay, you're fine. Um, that part, they were mending their nets. They did that every day. There was never a day in the life of a fisherman they didn't mend their nets. Why? Because they got used every day and they got tore. A net with a big hole in it's not going to catch fish. And so every day, the disciples were putting their nets back together. Oh, this is a preach. My life needs mended every day. Every day. Because you know why? Because I'm around people, and I can be a jerk sometimes to people. The Bible says in Luke 17, it is inevitable. I like that word, inevitable. It just rolls off your tongue. It is inevitable that you will be offended. You will be hurt. And in life, do you know what I've learned about life? You're going to get hurt. So guess what's got to happen? You've got to get mended. Well, if you're by yourself, you don't get mended by yourself. You need to one another's. And that word, I have it in your notes, but take a look at it. Let me get my notes. I made this little diagram. It said out of Ephesians. You see this right here? I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I made a little diagram. And it says the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher will, then that has uh, six words. The NASB picked out the word equip. When they... Uh, decide what words going in a translation. All these words work in that phrase. NASB picked the word equip. Well, it could have been the word recognize. All six of these means a different things, right? For example, recognize. We are to recognize what kind of person you are. We are to recognize your gifts, but that's that's not hard. The word adjust means I got a wrong mindset. I need to get it adjusted. Hey, the word place, that deals with the bone that's been broken in your body and the doctor comes and he sets the bone back. There's been places in our life we've been broken. God comes and he sets it back. Wow. That's a lifelong process because this is going to happen, I guarantee you, weekly. We do this for the people of God, and then the people of God use the ministry to build the body. So where I get scarred, Charles, you have scars in your life? Do I ever? Well, guess what? 2 Corinthians 1, 4 says, my scars can get healed, and my scars can heal your scars. And your scars can heal my scars. If we just sit with each other and say, man, I got some scars. But most of us don't want to talk about it.
I'm done. Are y'all uncomfortable? Charles, don't come back. Please don't come back. <laughs> Stay away. Don't ever come back. All right. Let's all stand. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, help us. And dear God, by the end of June, all those that want to be involved in this stuff is going to be involved. And dear God, you just, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, do it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day. Love you. Have a good week.